Uh, my name is Neil Novoa. I'm uh, one of the worship leaders here at the church. I've been here for about 16 years, been saved out of uh, the Church of Rome for 16 years and on my own self-destruction. Uh, this is my wife, Julia, who keeps us all alive. We have four beautiful children, uh, Peter Owen, Mark Stephen, Luke Daniel, and Audrey Rose, who's the most beautiful child ever born. Um, so uh, today we're going to be uh, reading from Mark chapter 12. Please stand uh, for the reading of God's word. Okay. And Sadducees came to him who say there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife, but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. There were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and when he died, left no offspring. And the second took her and died and left no offspring. And the third likewise, and the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as a wife. Verse 24, Jesus said to them, Is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to them saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. This is God's word. Sorry, I thought I had unmuted it, but apparently I muted it. Technology is sometimes a challenge for me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you that we, as your people, get to come here and be under your word. And by doing so, Lord, we are, we are acknowledging that we are under your rule and under your reign. And so, Father, we ask now that you reign in our minds and in our hearts by your word, Lord, that you, you inform our minds and our hearts of your truth. And, Father, we pray that we would see Jesus as he truly is. It's in his name we ask this. Amen. So, the Sadducees, they were the elites of first century Jerusalem, okay? They were the guys that had all the money, all the power, all of the influence. They were the power brokers, if you will. They were the gatekeepers. They had financial influence, social status, political power, and they were ugly. They were ill-mannered. They were rude. They were sarcastic. You could characterize them as insufferable know-it-alls. 
I, I, was, I was called an insufferable know-it-all earlier this week. <laughs> By my favorite. <laughs> and I was like, I am preaching about those guys this week. Josephus, uh, Josephus said of them, The Sadducees are even among themselves rather boorish in their behavior, and in their intercourse with their peers are as rude as aliens. Rude as aliens. You see, they, uh, they also did not believe in the supernatural. They didn't believe that God could still speak through, through people. They didn't uh, accept a lot of the prophets and the prophecies of the Old Testament. They, they, they stuck to just the Torah. And they particularly did not believe in the resurrection and that it would happen. See, it's amazing to see some of the parallels today between some of our, what we would call elites and the elites who were the Sadducees back then. All of their influence and money and power to get or achieve anything, they were unhappy. You see, they didn't believe in the resurrection, so they were sad, you see. At least y'all laughed. I didn't even have to like cue you with like, it's like a joke, only not funny. <laughs> and these are the opponents that the Sanhedrin now sends to Jesus. And they come to him with a trick question. And you can hear the sarcasm in it. You can, you can hear the ring of disdain tinging their words as they come to him. And this interaction highlights for us the giant truth of the Christian faith and we see it in Jesus words God is the God of the living not the dead and we will see this truth plainly in Jesus not only in Jesus own words but in his unpacking and his interpretation his correct interpretation of the Old Testament see these guys knew the law but they didn't understand it and Jesus is saying you are quite wrong because you don't even know the scriptures And we'll see this truth in two parts. Their trick question and then Jesus' right interpretation of Scripture. And again, that interpretation reveals that God is the God of the living, not the dead. So let's jump into the trick question here. Verse 18. I love it when my Bible is on the wrong page and I'm ready to read. And the Sadducees came to him who say that there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us in the law that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. There were seven brothers. The first took a wife. And when he died, left no offspring. And the second took her and died, leaving no offspring. And the third likewise. And the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died. So in the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as a wife. So this arrogant bunch of men come with their arrogant question. 
And they come to examine Jesus in light of what's called the Leveret Law, saying, hey, if, if, if you die and you have no offspring, your brother must now marry your wife. Why? Well, because land and, and titles and, and wealth was transferred through the line of, of the firstborn. And so you had to provide for your children. This was common in ancient civilizations, and even God commanded it in the Torah, saying, hey, this is how you will preserve the land that has been doled out to these different families. And so they come to test this, in their eyes, rabbi from some backwater town that nothing good has ever come from. And they're like, we're, we're going to examine him. We're going to see. We'll test this guy. We'll find out where he's going to answer and how he's going to answer. And, and we're going to ask him about the resurrection. The most unbelievable thing that there could be. We're going to ask him that. And they come not believing even in the resurrection, yet asking questions about it. Hoping to catch Jesus in a poor answer. That would highlight he is not who he says he is. He does not know what he claims to know. He does not have the authority that he claims to have. We'll test this redneck. We'll see what he has to say. That's, that's kind of their mindset as they approach Jesus. And if anyone takes offense to the term redneck, please know I am like I come from redneck stock, okay? I'm not, I'm not up here. Looking down on rednecks, those are my family, okay? Those are my people. And you can hear it. It's almost like a, hey, hey, teacher. This teacher is not like the rest of the teachers that they've examined. This teacher is not like the others that they've come to uh, with this kind of question. You know, I'm sure they use this all the time as a gotcha to some of these Pharisees. They're like, oh, let me, let, okay, Mr. Mr. Smart Man who knows the law, tell me this, and the, riddle me this, Batman. And the Pharisees are like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't know whose wife she's going to be. That's a really good question. No, not so with Jesus. woman had a husband. He died. No children. His brother took her. He died. No children. His brother took her. All seven brothers. And then you see the arrogance. Hey, in the resurrection, you know, when they rise again, you know what the resurrection is, don't you? Don't you, Jesus? In case you don't, I'll tell you what it is. It's when, when they rise again. Whose wife will she be? And that question exposes their hearts and the intentions of their hearts. They're there to cast doubt on the Lord. And if we're honest, we are not much different from the Sadducees. See, we, we theologically believe in the resurrection, right? We, we read about it and we say, yeah, that's true. Do we actually believe it in our lives? Do we live? Do we think? Do we inform our hearts in a way that says this is real? This is going to happen. 
A lot of times we, we, we think about the resurrection with what I would say are, are even kind of wrong assumptions about it. And, and we, we come to the Lord with these assumptions and these questions. Hey, hey my, my, my dog's going to be there, right, when I get there. We're going to finally see unicorns. Are we going to see unicorns in heaven? Are there unicorns in heaven? I love it, <laughs> but no. <laughs> On the live stream, if you couldn't hear, there was someone who said, yeah! <laughs> and we come when we lose someone and we say things like, heaven gained an angel today, or enjoy flying on your wings. Those things aren't what the Bible teaches about the afterlife. They're not true. And, they're, and they, they show a materialistic belief in what the resurrection and in what the afterlife is like. And it's not something that we see in Scripture. And these guys were coming asking questions about something that we don't see taught in Scripture. And so Jesus had to make it clear for them. We come with our own expectations and questions similar to the, the Sadducees. And the thing is, though, that the resurrection is real. It is real and it has meaning for us today. It has real meaning. Everything that we do, sacrifice, say even, has a meaning. And it will mean something on that day when we, when we rise again, as the Sadducees had to explain to Jesus, or they thought they had to. It will mold everything we do, give, think, sacrifice, will mold us for the resurrection and for the eternity that comes after it and that begs the question what are we doing today that molds us and prepares us for that day what are we doing how are we informing our minds and hearts to one day stand before the lord you know scripture says that one day we will give an account for every careless word we say some of us that's very scary for. I got a lot of careless words that I've let fly, even as a pastor. What am I doing to, to, culti to cultivate wise speech? <clears throat> what am I doing to cultivate a humble heart that, that allows me to inspect the words that I'm saying? What about you? Where, where are you maybe not doing things that will prepare us for that day. We must be looking forward to that day. Because everything we do in this life matters on that day. It matters. See, the, the Sadducees didn't believe that there would be um, uh, uh, condemnations and rewards handed out on that day because there is not that day. We're not the Sadducees. Eternities are decided today. Let's do the things that will help us to stand on that day. 
and, and to stand in, in the right, reverent fear of the Lord. Not a fear that, that is like, oh no, what's he going to say? But no, no, that, that, that awe, that reverence, knowing, hey, perfect love casts out fear. It's not a, it's not a fear and a like, oh, what's he going to say? It's, he's going to confront me about what I've said and done in love. Do we believe that? And then he's going to welcome us in. As only God can. And this brings us to our next section. The right interpretation. And with that interpretation, Jesus also shows us the means for molding and informing our hearts and our minds, okay? So verse 24. And Jesus said to them, Is this not the reason you were wrong? Because you neither know the Scriptures nor the power of God. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. So you see, these guys were dribbling down the lane, going for a slam dunk. They're like, oh, we got him. We got him. And Jesus was like, rejected. Get that out of here. It's not working. You see, they came to school, Jesus. But Jesus was like, hey, hey guys, I wrote the curriculum. You can't school me. You like that curriculum? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> Plain, straightforward, Jesus asks them a question we can still feel the sting of today. Because this question comes to us in that area where, where we're trying to inform our, our stuff. He says, is this not the reason you were wrong because you know neither the Scriptures nor the power of God? Hey, hey, isn't this why you're wrong? I'm pretty sure it is. You don't know what you're talking about. And you don't know who it is that you're talking about. And, and look at Jesus' grace there. Like when we look at his interactions with people in the Bible, particularly with his opponents, what does he always say? Have you not read? Have you not heard? Hey, you've read this. This is the means by which we inform our minds and our hearts. And Jesus in his grace is pointing them. And he says, guys, it's in here. Is this not why you're wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. And he always, he's regularly saying this. You know what the law says. Haven't you read the scriptures? Hey, it is written. Have you not read? And so on. 
And he's saying all that we need to know about God, God has preserved for us in his written word. All that we need for life and godliness can be found in these pages. All that will prepare us for the resurrection, for the life that comes after this one, can be found here. Let's approach these words like that. And more than that, more than that, in the Gospels and the New Testament, we have a record of the full and final revelation of God in His Son. Jesus came to reveal God's character, to show God's mission, to, to inform us of God's love, and to win back God's people. We have a record of that here. Oh, man. We have such a treasure that the Sadducees did not have. And so are we reading these scriptures? Are we letting scripture inform our thoughts about God or, or even our thoughts about the cult? Or, or are we letting the culture inform our thoughts about God? Are we seeking the God of the Bible who gives eternal life? Or are we looking for principles for a good life? All we need to know about God is here. Do we live like that's the truth? Jesus goes on with something that is a little bit hard to understand, right? And the first thing, though, that we see is Jesus assumes the resurrection. He doesn't go on like this, like big, hey, here's all the evidence in the Bible for the resurrection. He's like, no, 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 no. We're, we're just going to assume this. He says, when they rise. Not if, not, hey, if the resurrection is true, it's going to be like this. He's like, no, 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 no. When they rise. Full-blown. It's happening. When they rise from the dead. You see, the resurrection will happen. And when it happens, the state of people will be changed. And Jesus says, hey, they'll be like angels in heaven. Not given in marriage. What does that mean? Well, if you're, if you're sitting there going, Vince, that means we get our wings. Sorry, you're wrong. That's not what it means means that we will, our, our state will change. We will be like the angels in heaven means that we will no longer be tainted by sin. We will become at that moment, because we're still waiting on, on our body, on our material body to be raised from the dead. When we die, we become like the angels in heaven. We become spirit. We, we also become uh, this, this no longer uh, affected by sin, no longer like dealing with our temptations, no longer like doubting even like everything that, that the angels are experiencing right now, the angels in heaven. See, Jesus is very clear like that about that. He's not saying all angels, the angels in heaven. We will be like them, totally given over to the worship and praise and exaltation of God and not ourselves. And as one, as one who constantly wants to exalt himself, I cannot wait for that day. I cannot wait. 
And then, like the angels in heaven, they will not be given in marriage. What does that mean? Well, you know, what is the purpose for marriage? Marriage is the context for enjoying physical intimacy that results in two things. Uh, procreation and also a deeper relationship between those who are married. And if they are perfect like the angels in heaven, there is no need for, for deepening and, and molding that relationship and strengthening it. And on that day, the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. There is no longer a need for procreation. So, the, the role and purpose and function of marriage has gone away. There's no need for it anymore. That's, that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, hey, there's no need for it, so it's not going to happen. It's not going to be there. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It will, it will all be accomplished on that day. The, the increasing upon the earth and subduing it, it will have taken place by the time we all rise and meet the Lord in the air. Oh, it's going to be a day. It's going to be a day. <clears throat> no need for marriage. So after assuming the resurrection and then telling them there's no need for marriage, he does some teaching of his own. See, the smug and arrogant Sadducees, uh, these, these teachers, they need to be taught themselves. And Jesus says, And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. See, Jesus is not content with letting them remain in their darkened state. And he starts teaching them with these words, as for the dead being raised. And then he points them to the Torah. There's, there's maybe some instruction there in how we should evangelize people. He points them to their source of authority. We need to find people's source of authority there. But he points, their, their source of authority is the Torah. They don't really accept some of the other things. And he's like, okay, in your, in your Torah, here's what it says. And he points them to the scriptures that they would hold on to. And they believed in God and they believed Moses' words as having had talked to God and spoken to God. And he's like, have you not read? This is nothing but grace on Jesus' part. You see, even with these arrogant, smug, insufferable know-it-alls, Jesus is reaching out to them. He's reaching out and he's saying, guys, Guys, it's right here as plain as day. And then he outlines the conversation that God had with Moses. I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. For God to presently, currently be the God of the three patriarchs who died much long, like long time ago before Moses came. It means they're alive. For him to say, I am. Not, hey, I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No, I am currently, right now, 
the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It presupposes that they're alive long after they died their earthly lives. He's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. You are quite wrong. And this is the heart of the text today. God is the God of the living, not the dead. And think of the people that we've lost. Just even over the last year, year and a half, okay? Look, not all of them to COVID. But we've lost some folks. We've lost Lydia Orca. We've lost Zester Hatfield. We've lost Bill Russell. We've lost Maggie Sulak. We've lost Richard Moreno and his amazing wit and charm. Some folks here have lost unborn children. We have lost some folks in the last year, year and a half. You know, D.L. Moody once said, someday you will read in the papers that D.L. Moody of East Northfield is dead. Don't you believe a word of it. At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. I shall have gone up higher, that is all, out of this old clay tenement into a house that is immortal, a body that death cannot touch, that sin cannot taint, a body fashioned like unto His glorious body. So I ask you, have we lost Richard? Yes. Is Richard dead? No. Absolutely not. He's more alive than he ever has been. Have we lost Maggie? Yes. Is Maggie dead? No. She is more alive than she has ever been. Have we lost Bill? Yes. But he's more alive than he ever has been. He is not dead. Have we lost Lydia? Yes. She's not dead. Her God is the God of the living, not of the dead. Have we lost Zester? Yes, but it, Zester is not dead. He is more alive today than he ever has been. He's just moved on higher. He's changed addresses. He has changed places. Because his God is the God of the living, not of the dead. And Justin and Abby, I haven't seen you today. Maybe you're coming second service. Your child, she's not dead. She is not dead. No. Our God is the God of the living and not the dead. She's more alive than she ever would have been here on this planet. And there's hope in that. There's, there's hope in that. And one day there will be rumors of your death as well. Don't worry. I won't believe them. I will not believe those rumors. Why? Because I will know what Scripture teaches on that day. I will be informed by that truth that God is the God of the living and not the dead. And I will be like, oh, no, 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 no. They're more alive today than they ever have been. Let's not mourn for them. Let's mourn for us that we miss them They're more alive today than they ever have been. And one day you will hear, maybe if you're still alive, that I've died. I'm telling you, don't believe it. It ain't true. It ain't true. 
you can tell people, wrong. He is alive today. He hoped in the God of the living, not the God of the dead. He's just changed addresses. He's gone up higher. You will be tempted to believe the rumors, but don't. And we know this is true. We know this is true because our God is alive today, right? Our God is alive. Our God who came and died, man, death could not hold him down. Death could not grip him like it will grip us. No, death has been defeated. Our God came as a baby and he lived a life and he went to the cross and he died to pay for our sins and then he shook off death and he came out of the grave and he's alive today and that is what gives us hope. That is how we know the death of those in Christ are just a rumor. And they're not true. See, God is the God of the living because God is a living God. God's not dead. He is not dead. He rose and now He brings us from death to life as well. He does this through imparting not only life but also faith to those that He enlivens. God is not the God of the living. Sorry. God is the God of the living, not the dead. And the crazy thing is, even the staunchest atheist has questions about what happens when they die. They, even though they think, I go into the dirt and that's it. They wonder. Why? Because God has set eternity in the hearts of men. Why? Because He is the God of the living, not the dead. And He sent Jesus to give life and bring it into death. In love, He did this. John 3.16 Tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. What grace. God in love sent his son. By grace we are saved through faith. Man, amazing. And then Paul tells us in Romans 5.14. Death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgress transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one to come. See, if God is the God of the living, he had to do something to stop the reign of death. Death reigned from Adam to Moses, and, and it reigns over us. And, it, and God stopped it. He sent the one that Adam pointed to. He sent the, the real one. He sent the one who was to come. And that one who was to come, Jesus interposed His precious blood to pay for our sins and to stop the reign of death in His people. 
stopped it in its tracks. Because he is the God of the living, not the dead. Let's pray. Father, Father, thank you for this passage, for this reminder that you are the God of the living and not the dead. Father, I pray that you would help us to dig into your word and to see what you show us there about yourself, about this world, about eternity. Father, I pray this morning that that you are giving life today. Pray, Lord, if there's someone here who has not been given that new life, Lord, that by the power of the gospel and by the person of the Holy Spirit, you are giving life and you are bringing them from death into life and now indwelling them and imparting faith to them. Faith in the one who forgave their sins. who paid for their sins as He hung on a cross and then was raised, showing that the sins have been forgiven. If you believe in Jesus, you have been forgiven. Father, I hope that they hear those words and they believe that truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.